Voice search on Alexa and Google is an area I don't have a complete grasp on yet, particularly optimising for it. So I was keen to talk with my guest, Dwayne Forrester, VP of Industry Insights over at Yext. We discuss how we should be using structured data on our website, how this impacts conventional SEO, and why it matters for voice and augmented reality. So hello, Dwayne. Thanks for joining me this afternoon. Well, Absolutely. Well, morning for me, I think. What time is it there for you? Uh, it is uh, just after 9 a.m. on the Pacific Coast. Wow, thank you. And um, yeah. I'm sorry to disturb you on, on your holiday. I know it was Thanksgiving for you guys yesterday, so thanks very much. Oh, no, today is, uh, today is the most spectacular day of all because it's Black Friday. And being one of the digital people, I'm like, where are the deals? How are the websites holding up? Has somebody crashed yet? Yeah. Like, you know, can I get my deal before a website goes offline? Like, you know, the important <laughs> questions in life. Absolutely. Um, so you're the VP of Industry Insights at Yext, but you've also yes. previously worked for um, Bing. You're on the webmaster team, is that right? Yep. So I started my career in um, offline gaming with Caesars Palace Corp. That was kind of where I got my start in marketing and PR was with them. Transitioned into online gaming after that, was in online gambling for, I don't know, maybe eight years or so. Ended up leaving there and uh, going to work at Microsoft. Ran the SEO program for MSN in the US and Americas, and then took over Webmaster Tools for Bing. Oh. So I was program manager, product marketing manager. Uh, it was all me. Um, I was the spokesperson for Bing, for the technical community, for SEOs, webmasters, whatnot. After I left Bing, I ended up going to run operations at a company called Bruce Clay Incorporated. Uh, and Bruce is one of the oldest practitioners of SEO uh, on the internet. And then I subsequently left there and took the role as VP of Industry Insights with Yext. Lovely. So I thought you'd just be the man to talk about uh, voice search and structured data because um, it's certainly structured data has come onto our radar a bit more. Yeah. And I've been experimenting with voice search on our Google Home and Siri device. Yeah. So I'm interested in how they relate to search optimization and how, um, how close we are to really needing to put a lot of effort into that. But I was going to say, before we dive into that, can you give me an overview of Yext and the service they provide? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I'll keep this brief though, because I'm not I'm not a, a big uh, salesperson, commercial person. So um, Yext is a digital knowledge management platform. That is effectively what we do. So any of the information that's related to your business—name, address, phone number, hours of operation—you uh, know, biographies for your uh, C-suite of individuals or owners, the founders' stories—all of this mm. data is something that you have to manage, and then you have to in, you have to get that out from you into the major sources, whether that's Bing or Google or Foursquare, Facebook, anywhere, uh, Amazon today, um, we are that platform. We help businesses manage that data at scale, whether it's small or large, and then we have the relationships that put that data into those sources, right? As an example, uh, in July, we launched a partnership with Amazon where if you ask Alexa for any information about a local business, that answer that comes back is powered by the X database. So all of those businesses in America that are getting spoken about on Alexa, that information is coming through right. Yext. Now, to be clear, that's not an exclusive partnership, right? Others can join this, but I'm setting us up for what we're going to talk about here in a minute, right? The structured data side of things, because that integration is the beginning of how our future will begin to look. Mm. And structured data plays a role in that. So I don't want to give away the plot here, but <laughs> but uh, there's uh, there's there's it's all about data management. That's that's what we do as a company, and it's what businesses need to do starting 
now. Yeah. Oh, I know. I mean, we as a marketing company managing and supporting our clients, we we know how difficult it is to manage all of that data. There, there's a lot out there. There's a lot still in there in, in the company. Yeah. And just sometimes getting out of the business owner's head and onto some yeah. paper, so to speak, is, is one challenge and then pushing out there to yep. the right people online. So. Well, and, you know, I think you nailed it, Ben, because like this is one of the biggest challenges is that that shop owner, whether it's a large company, a big brand or an individual small mom and pop shop in a local community, they know at a muscle memory level so much. And that never translates out because they don't think it has any value. That's just that's just their their bread and butter. It's their every day. It's their waking moments. They're not looking at that saying that's secret sauce of any kind or that's proprietary information or a competitive differentiator and it's like you know it's not up to the business to determine what's a competitive differentiator today it's up to the consumer to make the decision on what resonates with them and so you know that local shop owner talking about the generations of history that they have when their great-grandfather started doing this on the side as a way to make some more money for the family and here we are three generations later with a shop front and ongoing business and kids going to college supported by that business. But that resonates with a lot of people. And you telling someone that because they drag it out of you after they've been a customer of yours for 10 years, like you're not doing yourself any favors by keeping those stories to yourself. Yeah. And you know, there's, there's real value in uncovering that data. And that's the, that to me is kind of like the meta conversation on top of your everyday information, you know, products, services, dimensions on elements and items, like all of these things. Um, we refer to them as entities, um, not to be confused with entities that are, you know, everywhere else in the yeah. world that are called entities for their own reasons. But uh, there, there's so much to this. And, and, and again, you know, I'm not going to preempt us here, right, but structured data. So, I've got a good example on, on what you're saying about the history of a company. Um, I was looking yeah. for a, a coffee maker recently. I've had an AeroPress and I've been using an AeroPress for a good couple of years. Mm-hmm. But um, my wife is starting to drink a bit more coffee. So we thought, let's up our game. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's get a filter machine. And I'm looking through various different ones. You've got all the major brands to look at. Mm-hmm. But I thought, well, if we're going to spend some money, we want a good quality machine that's going to last another five years or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and we came up with, again and again, this Mocha Master um, from Technoform, right. I think it's company. They just kept coming up, coming up. But as I started reading more into it, there is some technical information. But most of it right. is about the construction. It's about the history of the company. It's about the right. owner designing it and spending time yep. with it. It's about showing the engineering that links in with that. So they actually got a picture yep. of it. So people who care about that, as once you care, you can then start to look at the detail. Well, no one else shows you inside their coffee maker and the wiring right. and the heating elements. But you have yep. to get to that stage. You have to get to want to know more about the technical detail. And you're drawn in by that history. So that's something that, that affected me just as deeply. Well, and you know, I'll tell you, it's it's a powerful moment, right? Because, you know, when you started your journey on this, you were thinking of things like, I want the concept, I want the intersection of reliability and dependability. Um, ideally, in the back of your mind, while you're keeping your mind open, your brain is trying to tell you a trusted brand. Yeah. And so you're, you're simultaneously looking for the best of the best at the best price point. So something that denotes value and reliability your expectation is it will come attached to a large brand name. And lo and behold, your open-mindedness allows you to see all of this feedback and all this information about something else that honestly never heard of the brand before. Yep. 
But as you get into it, you start to realize, wait, maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm the one who hasn't heard about it. And this is the new Black & Decker or Procter Gamble or whatever the brand name is. We, we'll never know that. When Black & Decker started, they were nothing until they became something. Now, the proof for you will be 10 years from now, that kettle is still working perfectly. Yeah. It is still doing its job. You can still get the pieces you need for it. It's just a reliable part of your life. And if you're lucky, if they're lucky, more people hear about it and the brand grows. If you're lucky, enough people hear about it that it continues to perpetuate, meaning you're not left with an orphan product. <laughs> yeah. but, but if you think about it, it's, it really is a testament to you know, the selling of the product. Yeah. It's, it's, it's nothing more than that. Um, and this is something that every business is capable of and too many businesses don't do. Mm. And I'm going to put a pin in this, a structured data pin, because while we're talking about the warm and fuzzy marketing story here, you know, that the feel good moment, the tear jerking, like I'm emotionally invested, you know, I will spend 40 minutes of my time researching the history of this so I can feel closer to my coffee bean. That's all well and good. There's a technical aspect to that story that lives in the digital world and pin for structured data. That's where we're at. I've always felt that search optimization is a constant cat and mouse game. It really is. And uh, I know oh, stru is. structured data has sort of bubbled up. And I know it's been around for a while, but it's bubbling oh, yeah. up to become more important. So why is it helpful? What, what is it? If you can give us a flavor, so, and then how is it helpful? Yeah. So I was actually part of the team that launched schema.org um, with right. Bing and Google. Yeah. So I've been one of the early voices out there telling people, you should adopt schema. You should adopt structured data. Um, essentially what structured data does. Now, it's important to frame this correctly. Everything we are about to talk about takes place at a technical level in the code base of a web page. So consumers generally don't see the technical work that we are about to talk about. Uh, they see a different manifestation. The manifestation a consumer sees is something like, uh, if you look at a Google map and you look up a business, you will see uh, the dollar signs denoting how expensive or inexpensive the business is. Um, you will see information around uh, star ratings and reviews. Yeah. That's generally some of the manifestations that you will see from this, right? Um, if you're a consumer and you've ever done a search and gotten an answer box at the top of the page, that's structured data, very high probability that uh, structured data was involved in the sourcing of the answer that you see at the top of that search results box. So, um, so from here, though, what we're really talking about is we're talking about editing the code base of the page to, quote, wrap elements on your web page with um, trusted signals, if you will. Uh, they're, they're literally, I'll call them what they are, they're snippets of code, um, you know, but what it does is it says, these are hours of operation, and you put that snippet of code on either end of your hours of operation, and that code is designed in such a way that all of the engines will look at that and say, ah, okay, we trust that the information we read inside these pieces of code is the official hours of operation for the business. Got it. And they take that away and they use it for all of their purposes they use it for. Um, but structured data is applicable in so many broad-reaching mm. ways. We're talking about people, places, events. We're talking about products, services. Um, I, I highly encourage folks, go to schema.org. It's S-C-H-E-M-A dot O-R-G. That is the official website for the pro program uh, jointly operated by Google and Bing. Go into the library there. I challenge anyone 
to go through that library and not find something applicable for their business. I guarantee you there that there is markup. Yeah, and it's it's constantly being added yeah. to. It's constantly being expanded. And if, in fact, you do legitimately find yourself in a corner where you have a product or service or an object, an entity, if you will, that doesn't have a library reference piece of code assigned to it, you can suggest it to them. Oh, okay. Now, they won't take it directly from you because that could be very self-serving, as in, oh, this is appropriate to me, but nobody else. But if they see that multiple people in an industry are calling for the same thing and they don't have it, then they will update that. So there's a lot of like a technical conversation back and forth, mm -hmm. if you will, that happens through that space. So really what this does, though, is when you deploy this across your website and you, quote, mark up your elements, you're effectively telling the search engine, I've done the work, to prove that I am accurate on this topic, whatever it happens to be. And if they agree that that looks like the correct information, then there's a higher level of trust placed in that. Right. So instead of them, every time they come to a web page, seeing it and saying, oh, we have to crawl everything, we have to parse everything, we have to understand everything, then we have to decide what to do with it and how much we trust it and everything else, they do that once. And then they say, oh, okay, well, this is really good because this is marked up, I trust this, we're done. And they move on to other things. So slowly but surely, I'm going to make this statement, but I need to qualify it. The schema and structured data is becoming a trust signal, mm. meaning those who have it get included in things and those who don't are, are not included in things. And we're seeing instances of that starting to play out. Great example of that. And it, it blends us into voice search a little bit. Um, Right now, I think it's something like 80% of the spoken answers on Google Assistant come from the featured snippet, that position zero, that answer box at the top of the search results page. Yeah. Most of those are attained through a combination of the way content is written to answer questions, the way it's structured, and the structured data that's applied to it. So no structured data, no answer box, no spoken answer. That is... In a nutshell, I'm oversimplifying that, okay, because you can find myriad examples of no structured data is an answer box, is not spoken out loud, or is spoken out loud, that kind of thing. But the vast majority of instances, that's the path that they follow. Yeah. So when it comes down to do I do it, uh, should I do it, when should I do it, how much should I do, um, yes, 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 all of it. <laughs> like, like, you need to start last year. That's when you needed to start. Um, but I say that jokingly because I've been telling people for the last seven years they yeah. should be doing it, right? So, so realistically, you know, once you get back to the office on Monday, you need to take this project and say, instituting uh, structured data across my website, it's something that's been on my radar. I've been thinking about it. You need to stop thinking. You need to take the action. So move that from the planning stage to the action stage. Go get it done. It's a bit of a pain in the ass because you got to, you know, you got to do work in your code. Yep, There's absolutely. no way around that. Are there good right? examples like, on schema.org you know, of how to implement yeah, it? Yeah, very. Um, they're very good answers. In fact, when I say library, I mean that in the truest sense. You can copy and paste right. from what they have. And so, so the code that you need to apply is pre-written for you, mm -hmm. and you can copy that around your data, your content, in the code of your website. And then you're good to go when you hit publish, okay? Um, as well, there are structured data testing tools that will allow you to then run that web page through and make sure it's all parsing correctly, and then there you go. Um, generally, for most businesses, this is going to be a project. Mm 
It's going to be a, you're going to tell someone they have to go do this for you. They're going to ask you a bunch of questions, um, and then you're going to go get them to do it. When the question of how much do we do comes up, the answer is, if it is applicable to your website, wrap that stuff in structured data. Yeah. I don't care if you can't think of a use case for it. That is irrelevant because it's not about what you can think of. It's about the other 7 billion people on this planet with connectivity that are surfing the internet that ask for something in their own unique way. That's, and you'll never be able to predict. So mark up as much as you can. That is the general rule of thumb. Uh, it's kind of like if you're going to do a tune-up on your automobile, you know, you don't just open up the hood and then change the spark plug wires and say, okay, I'm done. done you know, no, you change the spark plugs. You, know, you make sure that your, your settings are all uh, correct for your, your heating, your cooling. You make sure that um, you know, the coolant is up to date, that you've got fresh brake fluid, that your oil is changed. Like, that's a full tune-up. And doing anything short of that is kind of a lost opportunity. Structured data application is the same way. If you sit down and say, well, we're just going to do name, address, phone, number, hours of operation, but you're not going to include everything else, then you're shortchanging yourself because you're, you're paying money to get work done that should be deeper than it is. And you're just going to have to come back and do more of it later. Absolutely, you have to do it later. Before we move on to yeah. uh, voice, I was just wondering, yeah. by having this additional data in there, the additional schema data, does it give a, a positive signal that might improve your rankings as well? So, you know, this is, I'm really glad you brought that up because that was kind of in my head part two of what I was thinking of when I said that this is growing as a trust signal, okay? It should not be confused with something that boosts ranking. So just putting it in place does not suddenly give you a higher rank. No one should expect that. Hear my words. You will not get a ranking boost from just installing structured data. That is not the way this works. However, there are programs that the engines are running that pull structured data to inform answers. So if you are not running structured data, you are not included in those. So while your ranking doesn't change, uh, if everybody moves away from desktop and toward voice, and in order to rank in voice, you need to have structured data deployed, mm -hmm. you're not being penalized for anything, but I can guarantee you, you're going to lose traffic. So, you know, like you, you, this is today, and this is what I tell people today, um, doing structured data is no longer an advanced tactic. This is SEO 101. That's the baseline. You, you have to have this in place. Without it, you're just you're not as good an answer as a competitor, competitor who has it. Yeah, that's true. It's that simple, you know. And a great answer to when do I have to do it or how fast do I have to get this updated is look at your competitors. If your competitors largely do not have this deployed, then you are at the front of the curve. You are the pack leader, and this will differentiate you, and this will help you. If, however, any of them have this deployed or turned on, mm. you're hanging on by your fingernails. You need to seriously get this work done so you equalize the value signal that you showcase to a search engine. So we spoke about voice. How, yeah. How important is it for search day? How, let me rephrase that, actually. I know people have Alexa devices and they've got Google, right. Siri, whatever, and they're asking it questions. But how crucial is that to actually being found and having people uh, effectively transacting through that method now? So, you know, it's fortunate we're having this call today. Um, in the United States, today is Black Friday. And in fact, around a lot of the world, it seems, today is Black Friday. 
Um, today will be the day when probably the most number of these smart speaker devices, which are, you know, the homes of the digital assistants, are purchased. Mm. Um, I've been seeing deals for the Amazon Alexa um, Echo, the dot, the small one. I've been seeing deals for those for 99 cents. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let's, let's break this down a little bit, okay? You know, when we all first got our smartphones, there was a haves and a haves-nots mm. that developed. Because you're talking about a $1,000 object, a $500 object. Like, these are not cheap objects to help to have in your life. And along with that smartphone means you have to have data and connectivity. Now, if you extrapolate that into a household, you have to be able to afford your Wi-Fi mm. and your internet connectivity. So, assuming that you have access to this, which, let's face it, the vast majority of people in developed countries have access to this technology. The vast majority of people in undeveloped countries have access to that instead of a landline. The reality with these devices is the barrier to entry does not exist based on price. Mm. It didn't exist last year, and the Echo Dot was the single biggest selling item of any item over the Black Friday holiday shopping season. Uh, this year, it's going to be right up there in the top 10 again. There's no question about that. Um, Google Assistant, Google just brought out their um, a number of screens, whether it's their own or a partner device, uh, where they have a screen built in. So now they have something like the Amazon Show. I was predicting last year that Google was going to do that this year, and here they are. And they make really compelling stories for it. Um, Facebook has their version of it, and their version, despite everything you hear in the news and your own personal feelings around the company, their version is really, really smart because they have a version that will track your movement when you're in a room. So that sounds really weird, right? Watch the commercials for how it's being used because you see a daughter who's cooking in her kitchen, the parents in their kitchen playing a game, and they're having a conversation back and forth with each other like they're there. And as the daughter moves around the kitchen doing things, the camera follows her. So... The parents know what's going on. They know that she burnt the cookies in the oven, and they're making fun of that. You know, like th there's some real-world applications here. So the reality with this is, you know, voice is um, unlike, and and this is a little bit different. Where you are in the UK, you guys have been mobile-friendly and uh, smartphone-enabled on on a I think gentler curve mm -hmm. and an earlier adoption than we were in North America. Uh, in North America, we had more of a hockey stick. Like, everybody woke up one day and went, I have to have an iPhone. And suddenly, everyone had smartphones, and there we went. We like to think that that was a really fast growth curve. And it will pale in comparison to voice. Google just, sometime in 2018, I was reading this in the Think with Google documentation. Year over year, the percentage of people who feel comfortable talking to their devices has grown at a rapid rate, Okay. In fact, we're at the point right now where their recent poll of, it was over 1,000 people, they asked them, you know, do you feel comfortable talking to your device? 41% of the people responded saying they feel talking to their digital assistant is like speaking to a friend. That right there, getting us over that curve, I mean, we, you'll remember this. You're of an age, so you will remember this. The first time you saw somebody, and I'm thinking back to your childhood, you saw somebody walking down the street talking to themselves. Your first thing, they're crazy. You crossed the road, you avoided them, you didn't make eye contact, they're lunatics. Today, we just assume they're on a phone call. And that's generally the case, is they're on a phone call. 
Well, it took us a number of years to get to that societal acceptance level of that activity is not strange. It's acceptable. I'm not saying, you know, we love people talking on their devices or out loud in the restaurant or the movie theater, that kind of thing. But just walking out in public on a street, somebody seemingly having a conversation with themselves, they're talking on their phone. That's fine. You know what they're doing. It doesn't seem weird anymore. It's quite Exactly. Exactly. So speaking to your device, giving the device a command Really, what we're overcoming here is society's level of politeness, Mm. because we're used to asking for help or not asking for help and struggling through on our own so as to not impact other people. But now we have a device that happily accepts a command. Everyone now has a digital butler. And so we're back to that stage again where it's like, oh, wow, okay, I have a servant of sorts and it can do these things for me. And this gives my life an easier flow because instead of me having to look up what the weather forecast is today now i grant you we are solving the first of first world problems here (laughs) right instead of pulling my phone out of my pocket because that's such a big deal i can simply ask out loud but what if it's something like my neighbor's birthday i just moved to the neighborhood i know my neighbor i like my neighbor Um, my neighbor's wife mentioned their birthday I want to remember that to be a good neighbor, to build a good relationship. Well, I hand that to my digital assistant and tell them, remind me the week before that it's Ron's birthday. And then my neighbor's birthday reminder pops up on my digital assistant saying, hey, it's Ron's birthday a week from today. Oh, wow. Awesome. Thanks. It's those types of things. It's those moments that consumers find delight with these services. And that's what's driving the adoption. And that's what's driving people to feel like I'm talking to a friend. Yeah. I think also that the, the user interface is a lot easier. Cert- oh, yeah. Certainly, uh, yeah. we just, we just yeah. got a HomePod recently. And yep. my wife would listen to music and she knew how to, how right. to operate the home, get the, get the Bluetooth speaker connected. Mm-hmm. But it's a lot easier for her and the barrier is a lot to lower. Just say it. And it's not that she, she doesn't get it. She just can't be bothered. She wants things to be nice right. and easy. And I feel that right. a lot of people I meet, it's just like that. Voice it's is exactly about, that. it's easier. It's native to what yes. we do. And, and I'm going to generalize with this statement, okay? Because I understand that there are very clear cases where this statement is false. Um, but generally speaking, everyone can talk. And so, like, this is something we learn early on. We've mastered it well before the stage of having a job yeah. that pays well enough to afford one of these devices. So, so you know, we're, we generally approach it with that simplistic view. Now, couple that with getting a new mobile device, which has a new keyboard layout. Now, the QWERTY layout is the same, but the keys, the pixels are slightly different, slightly oriented differently. Um, I've got big fat fingers, so small screens, it's a little bit harder. You know, maybe um, the physical size of my device has changed. So the muscle memory that I built with my old device means that my thumb goes to the wrong key instead of the correct key. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. there's all these subtle little things that chip away at ease of use, at ease of engagement. And voice avoids all of that. Yeah, Voice is... As I'm putting my dogs into their crate for the day while we go out for a hike, I simply say, Alexa, play 80s music. And then while I'm out, the dogs get to listen to 80s music or a radio station or whatever it is I put on. But I'm doing that in addition to something else, grabbing my backpack, making sure I have water, all of these things that I'm trying to do, and I'm giving the command to do something else for me. That's a powerful, powerful moment, which is why... The big brands, the big companies are so deep in this technology. It's huge. It's huge. I encourage folks, if you want to understand how important this is, go do a career search for um, 
digital knowledge engineer at Amazon, you will find hundreds of open jobs specifically for that. And it's not just like that at Amazon. It's like that at Google. It's like that at Microsoft. It's anybody who has a machine learning program, they're looking for these people because this is our future. And if you want to actually be a player in that space, the basics, today's basics of what we're talking about, structured data, mobile-friendly, page load speeds, all of these things that five years ago were considered advanced, today are considered baseline. Tomorrow will be considered a cut line. If you do not have these things, if your scores aren't this in these tests, you will not be the spoken answer. Because there are enough other spoken answers that are of high quality and accurate that the choice is easy for the machines to select someone else. And this goes right back to your coffee pot. (laughs) That coffee pot is an important part of this because it's a brand I've never heard of. But as a consumer today, I'm more okay with brands I've never heard of. And I rely on the reviews that I'm seeing yeah, online, exactly. yeah. on that technical data that they shared with me, on the video fly-through of how they construct their product. Like That tells me what I need to know as myself as a consumer. That tells me everything I need to know. That That's a product I would welcome in my life. And brand, well, you know, brands come and go. And, and that has never been truer. The current crop of, uh, of uh, consumers that we have, um, the, the millennial generation, we've never seen a generation less loyal to brand. Really, yeah. Mm-hmm. And we've never seen an, a generation that relies less on friends and family and more on third-party reviews to make purchasing decisions. So the way that we sum this up at Yext is we say things like these new services that are out there, and we'll, we'll use like an Amazon Alexa as an example. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you can't control the UI, okay? So that user interface, you, you got nothing. You, you can't say this is better than that. They control that. They control the AI. So the machine learning, that's all on them. It's a black box. They're never going to open it. They're never going to explain it. What you can control, however, is the data that they have about you. And that is becoming foundationally important. So the idea of doing basic SEO, technical SEO, content development, All of that is great, and that's your baseline. It has to happen. You now also have to factor in the concept of digital knowledge management as the overarching strategy that wraps all of that and the structured data work and third-party aggregating sites and locations that might also take your information. Mm -hmm. Because if you go look at the crawlers across the average website, most of the crawl activity is not Google or Bing or any of these these actual service uh, crawlers from a search engine. Most of this is from random third-party websites just looking to suck down data from your site. And if you have 200 locations where your hours of operation show up and 175 of them are accurate and 25 of them are incorrect, the search engines are starting to wonder which of these two data sets is accurate. Yeah, it comes back well, to trust again, doesn't it? Yeah. It completely does. And, yeah. and trust at a very macro level. like. Yeah at the highest level, you know, whatever level you think you're looking at it on, go higher. And that statement repeated over and over again until you're sitting there in orbit looking down on it and you have a true view. Like, that's when you know, okay, I can refocus and pull back in a little bit. So seeing as we're looking to the future and and, uh, just just ending on on the voice um, element, it's you just look at my Mm -hmm. children who they're not typing on a keyboard anymore. They're pressing the dictate button. And they're just yep. talking to the computer. Um, yep. 
only because it's more complicated, but I can see that just going straight further where you, you are using something to do general everyday computing, just using your voice. And you're not having yep. to think about your Excel sheet and how you sum everything up. Right. You're, the computer is doing that for you using um, algorithms yep. in the back end and then presenting the answer yep. to you, just like a simple calculator, but obviously doing a bit more. Um, right. and, and that's what they expect. And, and they're not going to take anything yes. less. Um, and another area to that, LinkedIn, is augmented reality. And uh, obviously, we've talked a little bit about machine learning. Where, where's yeah. the future there? Because I, I see there's a quite a lot of excitement, certainly around augmented reality. And we're, we're um, playing with a few samples for furniture manufacturers um, right. and an architect. But where do you see augmented reality in sort of intermingling with this? So, you know, I, I want to be bullish on on, um, on augmented reality. I want it to be here. And in some regards, it is here. Like. Right. I'm seriously considering buying some VR headgear today, like just to like get in there, try this stuff. I'm not a gamer. So, you know, like I have to have other use cases, you know, um, but the augmented reality stuff I think is our next obvious step forward for consumers. Right. So, um, if folks have not seen the movie ready player one, I highly recommend you watch ready player one. It is a plausible version of a future that may await us. I don't know if the timeline is accurate and the scale is accurate, yeah. but the concepts are certainly accurate. And augmented reality is that next step, okay? If you remember Google Glass, you know, like I had Google Glass and people called me a glass hole. And I was like, okay, we're too far ahead of a curve here. Yeah. And now today, what we start to see are things like snap spectacles. Mm -hmm. And those allow you to take the 10-second video. They look like stylish sunglasses. Nobody, when I was wearing mine around New York City, it didn't matter how much I was fiddling with it and touching buttons and doing anything. It didn't, it was irrelevant. Nobody looked at me a second time because they look like sunglasses. In theory, both devices are doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. They're taking a recording of the environment. So we are very quickly reaching that point of consumer acceptance. And so the augmented reality is going to happen very fast, where consumers are going to go to retail stores, like a furniture store, and they're going to be told, hey, you should download this experience. Look at everything that's here. You know, we'll give you a brochure if you want, or we'll send you a link. Um, and then uh, you should go home, and the things that you've checked off, we can try them out in your living room. And then you can get an idea of what it looks like. And there's nothing better to sell someone on a new object for their home than showing it to them in their living room. Yeah. Like, that, that's huge. Like, you know, like I, I would probably buy a new car every week if you allowed me to go try a new car in my garage every week. Uh, uh, just on my phone, I'd be like, "Oh yeah, I gotta have that." You know, and, it is it is amazing, uh, and I know I know IKEA has been really doing is. a lot a lot of work over here on right. that, where you can do yeah, just yeah. that. You can try out that yeah. lamp and see what it looks life yep. size in there. Exactly, uh, and we have that, and it's hugely powerful. But yeah. I think that the way augmented reality takes off here is going to be even more subtle. Yeah. Um, when I'm looking at a map and I'm looking at directions, um, and in some cases I may be getting this through um, like a pair of glasses that are augmented. Um, I'm going to have, again, the data about those locations and those businesses overlaid. So if I say, find me Chinese food, and I'm in a city that's not my hometown, well, as I'm walking through town and I'm looking and it tells me, okay, here's where Chinese is, it's got a good rating, do you want to go there? I say yes. As I'm walking toward that location, telling me, telling me about the burger joint here and that they have a sale on right now, and if I buy two, I get two free, and I'm like, well, I can't eat that many burgers, so I'll pass. Or it's telling me about, hey, Dwayne, um, two miles from the Chinese food restaurant we're going to, 
just around the corner and two miles down is a guitar store that's really popular. Mm. Would you like to go there after dinner? And then it's going to compare the hours of operation and how long will it take me to get there? Would I like an Uber instead of walking the two miles? And like, this is where augmented reality really starts to come into play is as you step beyond your own environment inside your home. And I can truly see that becoming a big deal. Where I think it's really going to take off first, though, is in remote work and work-from-home environments. That's where I think it becomes massive because then you will be able to see things like if I am in my living room and I'm wearing my work glasses, if I point myself, I'm oriented generally, and this is a personal example, I live just outside of Los Angeles on the west coast of America. If I point myself generally east toward my office in New York, in an augmented reality version, I would be able to see little elements floating there telling me which of my teammates are at the office in New York City. Now, from my distance, they'd just be one blob. But if I continued to zoom in, I could see who was commuting. I could see who was out to lunch. I could see who was where they are in the office structure. So then I'd know things like if I want to have a water cooler talk with somebody and I see they're in a meeting room, well, I should not bother them while they're in the meeting room. I should wait until the top of the hour. And then when they're on their way out, I could ping them and say, hey, can you chat while we walk back to your office? Like that's where augmented reality is really going to take off. It's going to make a massive difference to consumers. Older consumers are going to hate it because it's change. And it's a lot more information to process. Yeah. And, and they haven't trained themselves to process information that way. I think SEOs will thrive in this environment simply because we're like the herbinger of you can't get too much information in front of an SEO. Like, we just don't break that way, you know? And younger generations, uh, your kids, like, they're going to thrive. Like, they won't know any different, you know? Well, they do already. You think about the multi-device culture that people have. They're watching a film, they're on um, Snapchat, or they've got their iPad out doing doing something else on there. And they're already multi-screening anyway. This is just overlaying it in front of them. I think it would be completely native. Completely. And they'll welcome that because... The concept of filtering data, um, so like the Air Force generally, any Air Force will generally teach this to a pilot, right? It's prioritization of data Mm. in the data flow. It's not about identifying an object, finding a home for it, and then knowing it's in its home. It's about identifying an object and determining what level of threat it is or level of interest you possess in it, and then determining whether you track it or not. There is always a slipstream of data behind you that is messy. It's floating. It's not, you know, well-conceived. It's, it's, if you turned around and looked at it, it would just be a jumble. And OCD people would hate this as a visualization, right? But this is how we live our lives, right? You drive through a busy intersection. You have no concept of what those travelers at the opposite side of that intersection are going to yeah. or coming from. That's right. And And you don't know if there's a snowstorm on one end of town, a rainstorm on the other, and sun straight ahead of you. You are simply focused on moving you forward. And your goal is beach, sunshine, and there you go. And and that's the way people will come to terms with augmented reality is there's a lot of data out there. But you know what? I don't really care about ratings and reviews until I'm making a decision on whether to go into the business. So I can just ignore any stars. Um, I don't really care about dollar signs because I'm not shopping today. Uh, I don't really care about sales because I'm not shopping today. Like all of those visual cues that will pop up in augmented reality, we'll just filter them out as natural everyday, like an airplane flying overhead, Mm -hmm. you know, 
there's no wonder at that. We don't stop and stare. I mean, I do because I live a couple of miles away from an airport that has World War II fighters and bombers that are always flying. But generally speaking, the average person in public, when they see an airplane or they hear an airplane flying over, they don't stop and stare and wonder and say, (laughs) how does that machine conquer the air? Like, that's not where we're at today. And, and, and consumers will get to the same weight with that data flow and augmented reality. Um, if I had to guess, I'd say this would be the second renaissance of augmented reality. I think this time it's going to take off because generationally, like, your kids are there. They, they would admit it's begrudgingly cool because, you know, they're not going to admit something's cool. But, but they can't not admit this is cool, you know? <laughs> no, I, I agree. Uh, I, think, I think we're there, both on that sense. Societally, I think the certainly younger yeah. generation are ready for it. I mean, I'm always excited in these sort of technologies, even if I find it difficult to move to them. I, I oh, want completely, to. yeah. But, but yeah. I think also technology-wise, um, mm-hmm. we have the speeds fast enough. Because I think some of the problems yes. were it, people just felt ill or couldn't do it for long enough, even back when yes. virtual reality was sort of a new starter. And, yep. you know, you're overlaying two different screens. You've got your real life in front of you moving at one, um, you know, real speed. Yes. And then you've got this different yep. thing over the top. Unless they yep. match and they're rock solid, you will right. be sick. And we're right. so close to that in, in getting... Um, I, I completely agree. The, the technological hurdle, we've pretty much, for the, for the sake of argument, we've conquered it. Mm. Um, we've conquered connectivity. Um, I know in the U.S. we're moving toward 5G speeds. Yeah, and those are starting to roll out. Um, you know, I give that over the next five years, 5G will be the norm for most consumers. And with 5G speeds, like downloads and but uh, that's all irrelevant with those speeds. You know, it's like it's like the, that constant battle of like my page needs to load faster in the SEO world. Right. There is a point where after that, it's irrelevant, like because the consumer will not know the difference. And. Google knows that. Like Google knows, after a certain speed, humans can't tell the difference. No. So there I'm, you go. I'm not. I'm not confident that people won't bloat up uh, various uh, devices or pages. Oh, they totally will. We always do. We're like, well, how can we abuse this? Totally speed? will. <laughs> but- Listen. So this perfect example. Again, I'm going to reference Ready Player One. The bad guy is in a board meeting explaining to the board members how they believe that they can actually put advertising in 80% of the visual field of a consumer before inducing seizures. <laughs> so that's their goal, right? Like, so yeah, like, yes, people, there will be exploitive moments where people are trying to do these things. But when you actually look back to something like, you know, I'll pull it back into the conversation here, structured data. So if the concepts are built around trust signals and structured data is considered a trust signal, then it's really hard to spam your way into that because it's a multi-step process that shows ownership that takes the value away from a spammer because the value to the spammer is get in, do as little work as possible, you know, just beat the system up and take some profit out of it until I'm shut down, then I do it again. Well, you know, if you block that and you make it so that the only way forward is through legitimate action, legitimate work, then, you know, like you police some of that right out of the gate. And so I believe some of the foundation for solving for that and making a better world in augmented reality. We're doing that right now mm. with this work. Yeah, so as you say, it all comes back to structured data. If we do that right and we put the effort in now, it's going to benefit us for voice. It'll benefit us Absolutely. now in terms of yep. just web and online and augmented yep. reality as and when that starts to come forward. Oh, completely, yeah. completely. 
So just to bring us back down to earth a little bit, um, have you got yeah. any, uh, like a couple of marketing tips that you can share? So things that people um, should do right now. I know one of them is going to relate to structured media. So, so on the structured data side, yeah. So the number one thing you want to do is either do this yourself or get with an expert who yeah. can do this. Do an audit to understand how you compare to your competitors. Who's deploying it, who's not. And do not think, because everyone else is not doing it, that you have time. Do not think that way. The engines tend to cut along verticals that matter most to consumers, so your money and your life. And then they start getting into the other areas which are smaller overall as a percentage of the pie for Internet users. But they do eventually cover it all, so you have to get that done. The second thing I'm going to do is I'm going to suggest that you sit down and look at what a plan looks like for the business in terms of, well, if I have a library for structured data, and if that library has 100 elements in it, it will have a lot more than that. But let's say there's 100 that apply to, it, to this business in particular. The question then is, how many of those elements am I capable of filling in and taking advantage of today? The answer to that will probably not be 100. So what you then have is a map for the type of content you now have to create, which gives you the next stage in this mapping project, which is the content side of things. Mm. And and along this, there's a kind of tangential but related thing. Go buy yourself a smart speaker. Buy it, set it up, turn it on, and use it. You want to use it on yourself. You want to use it on competitors. You want to use it in your daily life. You want to read about these things to understand how consumer behavior is changing with these things. I have seen in less than 18 months, I have seen this go from early adopters like myself and a very finite set of use cases to where a year ago I was questioning, like, what the hell is the point, you know? I can step outside my door to get the weather forecast. I don't need to ask the device, like, not a big deal. Um, to today, where this is a legitimate assistant in my life. I can, you know, you say to your spouse, remind me tomorrow to fill in the blank. The reminder never comes because your brain has gone into a, a, a kind of third-party responsibility line of thought, it doesn't recall it, mm. and therefore you forget to do whatever it was, you know? You tell your digital assistant, remind me tomorrow to whatever it is, they remind you tomorrow whatever it is. Like, there is no forgetting, unless there's a power outage. And even then, the companion app will light up on your phone. Yeah, exactly. So, like, you know, like, if you actually want that kind of support, there it is. And that's what's changing consumers' patterns of behavior. So, so I think those three things are kind of like the key, you know, you got to go do this right away. Okay, lovely. Um, thank you so much for your time, Dwayne. Absolutely, uh, I, absolutely. I, I this was awesome. Um, so you're, the web, best website to go to is that yex.co.uk? Uh, yep, you can hit yex.co.uk for us. Um, if you want to track me down in person, just type my name into a search engine. I'm... I'm several results in there. Um, or uh, you can find me at Dwayne Forrester on Twitter as well. Super easy to find. Brilliant. No, thank you very much. I think that's, that's fascinating. I think um, I agree. I'll, I'll sort of push on the structured data angle as well. I think that is something yeah. people need to be looking at and doing and, and just building into their pipeline to do as quickly as possible. People think of it as an advanced tactic and therefore something they'll do after they get the basics covered. It has long ceased being advanced. The work is technical in nature but it is not an advanced tactic. It is now a baseline tactic. So yeah, got to pull it forward. Lovely. Well, enjoy the rest of your day and holiday. Thank you. And weekend. Take care, Dwayne. Bye-bye. Take care. See you. Thanks for listening. If you like this interview, 
you can visit ratherinventive.com slash podcast and listen to more interviews with fascinating people, plus our monthly podcast on business, creativity and the web. To get the latest episodes the moment they are available, you should subscribe directly in Apple Podcasts, Overcast or whichever podcast player you use. If you'd like to get in touch with me, I'm at Ben Kinnaird on Twitter, or you can email hello at ratherinventive.com. Bye.